Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. Don't get that. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Unloose the Goose, episode 31. About NFTs and tokenization. We are going to be discussing with Jack Spierko and Sal Mayweather, uh, and myself, Xavier Hawk, about what are non-fungible tokens? What's going on with the NFT market? What's happening with tokenization in general? And sort of give our views on some of these, uh, like Jack was just talking about in our private chat before we started, what are called Ethereum killers. Um, there's a number of them on the market and they all have like some really good aspects and some negative aspects to them. And we're going to kind of go through all of that tonight. Reminder, if you are going to give us questions in the YouTube live or, um, yeah, in the YouTube live, put the questions in all caps so we can spot them easily. So welcome guys. Good to see you guys again. Sal, how you been? How you, how you like in Florida? Come on, man. Beats New Jersey and New York by a mile. Welcome to the Florida free zone, baby. Oh man. So, um, so tonight's discussion is about NFTs, and I'd like to go through and let you guys speak about your understanding of NFTs and tokenization. Um, maybe we can start with Sal, and I'll go through and send the link out to everybody for the show. Yeah, so I, I'm, I've been on this for years now, and I, I've been um, – I sort of feel vindicated by all this hype surrounding NFTs because for quite a while, people were like, you know, you've been talking about tokens and nothing's happened, and now you have um, – you know, I saw a, a pixel. They said they said the world's most expensive pixel, and it was selling. It was literally just one pixel. It was selling for like sixty some odd thousand dollars. Really? So yes, yeah, I saw that today. So I, I sort of feel vindicated. There's been like, I forget what band it was that just tokenized an entire album. So it's definitely like we we see like this is just like, and I think this is this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning, right? That's the important part. Is that. Uh, there, there's a lot of lot of room for growth, and I think that uh, you Sal, know, people, before you keep going on with this, do you want to yeah. tell people what the fucking NFT is? Because a lot of yeah. people out there right now are going, mm. I don't know what he's talking about. So what do you? True. That? So a token in general is just a digital representation of ownership that exists on a blockchain ledger, but an NFT is different because it's non fungible. So in other words, uh, you know, gold is fungible because one gram of gold is basically the same as any other gram of gold, right? So a non-fungible token, they're all unique. And that sort of presents, um, that sort of presents a whole different use case in terms of counter-economics. It allows us to do all sorts of things. So I think I'll, I'll stop the intro there and let Jack and, and X take it. Well, um, let me just get my uh, screen back up so I can see what the hell's going on here. Well, so um, tell everybody what fungible means, Sal. So yeah, so it's like, it's like gold, right? So in other words, like going back to that example, like one gram of gold is the same as any other gram of gold. The dollar is the same as any other dollar. So they're, they're fungible. Uh, non-fungible means that they're unique, right? So each token is, is identifiable. And that lets us to do all sorts of things. Like now we can create, for example, um, uh, you know, like a, your, your football pool for Super Bowls, right? Uh, I, when I was back up north, I, there was this bar close by, and the guy used to have on the wall these big football pools, and some were a dollar, but some were like a thousand dollars a box, some were ten thousand dollars a box, and a lot of these rich people, and like the the pots would get to be like all you know crazy amounts of money, 
And one day the FBI came in and make him, they made him take down all the pools and give everybody their money back and stuff like that. But now we can do this with NFTs and we don't have to worry about the FBI because what, if you, if you're holding the keys to those tokens, there's nothing they can do about that. And really there's all sorts of use cases. We can, you, you know, once you apply creative entrepreneurship to this, they're going to sort of, the, the use cases are going to blossom into things that we never even uh, expected or, or thought about. Yeah, very much so. Jack, what about you? What do you think about NFTs and tokenization? In this is a, a newer thing for me, honestly. Um, I, I've been watching this stuff go on with the artwork, the digital artwork, and I get it and I don't get it at the same time, right? I get the, the NFT concept. People pay, like, so from my understanding, like, what's going on now is like a digital artist you know, makes this graphic. And then it's kind of like the NFT is attached to like the first graphic, but it's a graphic. So you can make like a thousand of them. But the NFT is saying that basically Xavier Hawk is this really rich dude that does this cool baseline thing. And he has so much money. He doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. So he, he likes this, this digital shit that Sal Mayweather made. So he buys this token it says he has the rights to this graphic, but it's like when an artist puts out prints and they number like the first one, one of 10,000, right. it's for the number one print, even though it's not really a print, it's a graphic. Yeah. Right. And then Sal keeps the rights to do anything he wants. It's not like it conveys a royalty or something. I guess it could, but it doesn't. And so when May I look I at that. Right. It could. But it, like what's going on now, it doesn't. And it's almost like I really love Sal. I think he's an awesome dude and I really like his art. So I want to do this more to support him than what this NFT does for me. But when I look at it, like everything in crypto starts out with some stupid shit like that. Like one of the first things that made Ethereum take off was like the digital Pokemons or some shit like that. Like it's always it's like okay, this thing yeah. that shows that it can work and it can do something. Yeah. Because we could attach an NFT to anything, including a physical product that basically it, that effectively acts like a title. It is. Yeah. So like exactly like so my house, there's a title of my house. And since I don't own my house, my bank owns my house right now. I have a mortgage um, that they hold the title. And if I ever pay off my mortgage, then they'll give me the title. And right. if somebody comes and throws me out of my house, unless it's a, a, a proper eviction, like they don't own my house and I can have the sheriff come throw them out because I have the title. Or like when I paid my car off, they sent me the title and that title is attached to my car. And so I, that's, that's how I see NFTs. And it's really exciting because what it opens up as a Goris is we want to get into a point where we can exist outside their system. So we can replace like the title office for anything. And so if we can start creating this mechanism, so, and, and that's how an NFT works. So like a house and another house are not worth the same amount of money, right? My neighbor has a house that's worth like twice mine. My other neighbor has a house worth like half mine. The title goes to that house. So even though the token's non-fungible, the, the, the item the token gives you the control of, if I understand this right, is what has the value. Yeah. And it's my license or my my title against it that says this is really mine. And I, I I think we're in the infancy with it. I think Sal knows more about this than me, honestly. So I have about a hundred NFTs. Uh, I have pixels. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, that I've created, right? Um, I have all the episodes of Baseline, 
have their own NFT, right? Okay. So they will never be removed anywhere so long as that NFT exists. So it's one in a, it's a good use for permanency. You know, you could go put it up on a decentralized web or on Odyssey yeah. or whatever, but now it has its own token that it exists and that, um, so it's like a collector's item, right? Like if anybody, like I become hugely famous in the next two years, you can go and get fucking episode one, right? And it becomes yours essentially. It doesn't get when the new world order kills you, your wife can sell them all. And and exactly. Consider it a life, life, life insurance policy. Um, so then I've done that. I've I've gone on all of the different marketplaces, right? And I've put a variety of different stuff on each marketplace, a to test it out, B to like stake claim to the space in a sense. Like I've put music videos and music on open C or no mint base. Cause it's the more expensive one. You have to pay like a thousand bucks to actually just open a store. Um, and all of them have the similar functions insofar as you can do an auction, you can sell them at a set price. You can do a mix of the two where it's like you have a set price and then whatever auction on top of it. Right. And so I did, uh, some like graphics that I did on a magnetic pad, you know, there's like kind of like uh squeegee erase board pads or whatever, took pictures of that, digitized it and put those up as like collector's items of like alien hieroglyphs. Um, and set those at a really low price and just, just to test the, to test the whole ecosystem. Does it work? Yes, exactly. Um, and so then, then I have my, like my big paintings. Like I do really large real world, like paintings that I've sold for like $5,000 or whatever. I take those and I put them as, uh, as a title, essentially you pay $10,000 for that NFT and then you can collect the actual painting. Like I'll, I'll roll it up, deliver it. Oh, okay. So, so it's now that's what I was talking about, where you have the physical item yep. and, and basically the title against it. Correct, correct. And, and what that does is it gives us a whole uh, world of, like you were saying, titling or permits for fucking the bureaucratic organization. We're working with a big city, an international city somewhere, um, to be able to take their – they have a bunch of jurisdictions, and they all operate on archaic different systems for titling and permits and all this stuff. And we can put them all into one spot and do it all with NFTs. We're talking without, without them, without any of the needing any, like Jackson, any land titling office or anything like that. Exactly. And this and is all a they major do is, problem in some parts of the world, like South America and Africa. Correct. And they just go in and they type the new information or they issue a permit. Like, here's your permit. You can build at this spot for however long. And here's your little, you just show your wallet, you know, the, the, the skin, the guy comes by and sees <laughs> that it's in your wallet. I'm starting uh, to see the Ron Swanson thing where he's like, I have a permit for this. And he just had a piece of paper that says I can do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks official. <laughs> That's right. And then um, I, and then I did another one where it's, uh, my music, I have it as publishing rights. So once you buy the NFT, you actually get the wave files and you own the publishing rights to the music. So you can go and post it anywhere or make your money off of it with streaming or whatever, because there's no money in that anyway. Right. So you're saying as a podcaster, I could tokenize every episode of survival podcast and you should and sell yeah. like the collector's edition. One person owns one episode. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I feel like a bastard, but I want to do this. <laughs> right. So, uh, so I put an NFT team together that are, that are actually went through and, and made all the NFTs for me. I went and started on, on Rarible and then on the other ones. And I'm like, this is going to take me a lot of time. I'd rather just have somebody do it. And so like I gave them, you know, some money and, and they went and did it for me. Um, it's a good, good group of people. I trust them very much. They're, they're like, they're kids, right? They're like, Kids, literally, and like their family friends, and they just happen to know how to do it. And so 
It's like, let's, and so I'm taking the, the real estate company that wants to NFT their shit, uh, a, uh, an art dealer. Cause this, this NFT process disintermediates art dealers in the same way Napster got rid of the record labels, right? Because now nobody has to sit there and be like hawking your shit at a gallery. It's like, you can go online, find them, buy the NFT, and then somebody will ship the painting to you. Yeah. And then you also prevent, like, theft of artwork, right? Because if you have this, you know, first edition Sal Mayweather 3D printed um, picture of the the Capitol collapsing on itself, whatever, (laughs) like, it's not really yours without the NFT. Correct. Exactly. You you can go so far. go, Go ahead, Sal. So if you have like if you have forty nine percent of that art piece, where do they have, they can't seize it, right? So if if all of your assets, the IRS comes for you, or the, some you know federal judge issues an injunction against you, hey, that's not my that's not my Picasso. I don't own that. So you can do fractional NFTs. Yeah, yeah, like Why all, you, you, you 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 could you could sell to two percent of a Picasso. I mean. Also, things like um, concert tickets, like uh, things like any, any anything like that. It's it's really the possibilities are endless. Yep, and the whole market's just starting, and all of the crypto kids and crypto heads are all getting into it. And the rest of the market, like the the public, they have no idea yet. No idea. No so, idea. I, I honestly don't get the digital art thing. It just doesn't make sense to me because you can make copies of digital art so easily, like. Right. It, like, uh, like a material item. Like, but I get it too. Cause like Taco Bell, I don't know if you guys heard about this. Taco Bell did like a whole shitload of these Taco Bell graphics and they, but they sold them for like a dollar to $2 a piece, but it was for fundraising. And I'm like, okay, well that would work. And then I got my, me thinking like a long time ago, they did this uh, Marine Corps Memorial and my father-in-law, they put a, like a brick road through it, you know, like where you could walk along and yeah. then you could buy a brick Right. And you put your name on it or whatever inscription you wanted so that at that memorial, the novelty paid for it instead of paying for it with government money. You paid for it with people, private donors that cared like you could have that. Well, you could actually tokenize that as well. And then you could hand it down to like your heirs. Totally. And here's the cool thing about non fungible assets like art. And I've got some I've got some shit to drop on you guys that you're going to really like. Uh, But the first thing is. Art does never depreciates. Art never depreciates. You get a piece of art, you pay $10,000 for it three years later, it's going to appreciate. This is one of the reasons why the, the, the uber rich and uber wealthy like to invest in art because it's an appreciating asset, which one of the few, right? But it's a finicky one because you have to get it appraised and that costs money and da, 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 da. Um, but here's the, here's the fucking gold. So let's say I'm a uber wealthy person. And I go and hire a friend of mine to do a painting for a thousand bucks. And then I take it to my buddy, the art appraiser, give him a couple thousand bucks and say, what's it worth? 50,000, right? And the guy's like, sure, it's 50,000. And then I take that art that I paid a thousand bucks for and I go donate it to a nonprofit at a $50,000 price tag. And I've just made a $49,000 tax deduction. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now. Give me ideas here. So then I say, oh, well, now I can do this with NFTs. And I go and I make an NFT, price it at 20 grand, get one of my crypto buddies to go buy it. And it's a one of 10, right? It's a one of 10. And so then I he buys it for 20 grand. I give him back the 20 grand at some point, whatever. It's just the transactions there. So now it's all of them are valued at 20 grand. And then I donate the, the other nine, you know, to, to nine different 
places and boom, all of a sudden. And <laughs> so that, that is why the NFT market is so fucking hot. And that's why you have big heads going be like, NFTs are the biggest fucking thing. When really, like somebody like Gary Vee's like, I've made NFTs that you can buy and it'll get you free passes to all my keynote speeches. Cool. Okay. Good use case. Right. But like what I just talked about, that's why like all the big guys are like all of these paintings, all of these fucking digital tokens. Boom. That's the 90% of the tax code that I focus on. How to not pay it. <laughs> and there are, there are, you know, MVPs in that realm. They know what they're doing. Well, at, at Agoristics, one project, and I think I mentioned this to you, Jack, when I was on your show, um, one thing that we're working on is we want to create like a political death pool so that let's say we, it's almost like, imagine like your, your typical Super Bowl pool, but rather than potential outcomes, potential scores, you have like uh, the Queen of England or Joe Biden or the Ayatollah, and whichever one dies first, if you're holding that token, then you get a payout. And, of course, we would keep, like, 3 to 5%, but we would have to use NFTs or something like that. And we would probably – I don't know what chain to do it on yet, but it's something that we've been kicking around. That's dope. I want in on that. Oh, yeah. so that's Who's the other thing. die first? I'm, I'm, I'm not taking Joe because he's clearly got dementia. And, sadly, <laughs> when you get dementia, you seem like you live a really long time. Forever. So on some of these exchanges, like Wax or Atomic Hub, I mean, um, and some of the other ones, you and in Rarible, you can actually program into the NFT through a smart contract how much percent you get every time it gets resold. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, whatever it is. So that's so that's a valuable. So I can create a thing, and essentially create a royalty against that thing that exists in perpetuity. Correct. Because every time the NFE, well. Including when I'm dead, because it comes back to an address. Correct. Right? So, like, my kid gets it, my grandkid gets it, et cetera. Yes. So if I ever decide I want a better challenger, and I decide to sell my challenger because it's it's Jack Spierko's freaking TSPC Val Challenger. Boom. I could NFT that car, and then every time that car's transferred forward, the yep. NFT would send more money back to my heirs. So long as the buyers pay crypto for it. Or okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You, you you can even you can even take that a step further and almost think about like almost like hyper Uber, right? You could take a car and tokenize the entire car, make a million tokens out of it, and now let's just say you have like some like sort of auto start system, and now the car just parks wherever it wants, and if somebody wants to rent it, you can make an app or something, and they can just pay with tokens, and oh. everybody gets to pay out all kinds of stuff. The let's, car let's, shares, right? Yeah. That's yeah, like a huge thing yeah. With like the, the anything, crowd, houses, right? cars. So, Let's take that a step further. You could set up a DAO-run company all on Ethereum smart contracts where you buy, like, 10, 10 Teslas, auto-driving Teslas. I got burnt on the DAO. Remember, oh, remember that yeah, one? Dude, I didn't touch that thing for a ten, with a 10-foot pole. Like, I knew oh. that was going to happen. But you could set up a, an autonomous corporation that runs a fleet of Tesla cars with auto-driving Uber, and they sign up for Uber or whatever, and then it would automatically generate revenue. And you could have a smart contract that whenever, and it would have to be all crypto, right? But that whenever it reached a certain threshold, it would automatically purchase another Tesla, put it into the fleet and make it go. So that it would just be a self-growing uh, Tesla fleet that ran itself, essentially. Like, yeah, you can do that shit. We're like three three years away from that. And those yeah, are all and, the NFT vehicles, right? And that's only, these are only like... um sort of like non-fungible tokens, but now you can create, think about like all the other possibilities too, like securities and stocks and bonds and content tokenization, like minds.com. Um, 
tokenization of data, like your personal data, uh, to keep it right. private so yep. that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't make money, that, so that you make money. Really, the possibilities of tokenization are, we, we've only like seen just the infantile stages. That's essentially what's going to happen in Fireon is like you'll get a token that is like the Jack Spearco token and it'll have your basic right. data on it. And that's your wallet. And when you, and, and eventually when it gets to the stage where you're a member and it has a database in the, the, in the, in the wall of all the members. And when you walk up to a wall or to a door, it'll see that your phone's walking up. It's Jack Spierko. He's a member. The door opens automatically. Like that's going to happen, you know? So we're going to have a private club and we'll NFT membership. Exactly. Right. And so like when you go, go to get in, fuck off. You can't come in because. It's not in your wallet, that's on your brooch or your ring yeah, or whatever. You can't get it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's funny you said it because I created, in, in anticipation for the show, I created an, an Unloose the Goose token on the, ah. B, on the Bitcoin Cash SLP ledger. So if anybody out there has an SLP wallet, throw up your address in the YouTube channel and I will send you. It actually has re, uh, real world value. I wanted it to be worth more than a penny per token just because fuck the Fed. So <laughs> it's worth like three <laughs> pennies for each token. So throw your address in there, and I'll, and I'll send you some some unloose the goose tokens. So we we have some questions if you guys want to take. Uh, can anyone create an NFT? Yes. Period. Yes. End of sentence. Um, <laughs> this one's totally unrelated to NFTs. If I raise a bantam chickens, will I become a Democrat? <laughs> no, Jack's area will be Democrats. They will they will come out every morning and say, "Give me shit for free." <laughs> they actually work harder than Democrats because they lay eggs, though. So. <laughs> And so Peyton asked, any way to invest without buying an NFT? Ethereum Square? Mm. No. Like if, if you're going to be in, you can invest in cryptocurrencies without buying an NFT. Yes. Sure. Um, but again, uh, Bitcoin goes up and down. NFTs, if they measure to art, they will only go up. So one thing, one thing I'll add to that. Peg to the asset because I don't, right. I don't buy your bullshit X that art only goes up. I guess. Good, high-valued art probably goes up, would be fair, but I don't buy that all art goes up. I've got art that didn't go up. Okay, so it either stays the same or it goes up, but it, it doesn't right. depreciate, um, at least in the in the art gallery, fine art world. you know. I, I get what you're saying. You're talking about a certain level of art because somebody can literally take a crap, smack it up on a canvas and call it the craptacular and Nowadays, say it's somebody art. would buy it. Yeah, but well, that's why do you, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, why do you think that those weird paintings that are like one splotch on a thing sell for like $10 million? One pixel went for almost fit like 50 some odd thousand dollars or whatever it was. And that's because it's new. It's novel. It's like the fun, cool thing. And you know, it's, it's, it's basically like closet agorists who are trying to get around paying taxes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and prevent seizure too. That's, that's the other use case for NFTs. Mm hmm. And of course, raffles and, and stuff like that. And like Jack said, land titling, things like that. That's going to be huge, I think, too, as well. well yeah. Anything, any sort of database. Years ago, I tried to do a community where people were going to buy in and have this lifelong lease. And like, I won't get into the deep parts of it, but a guy from the uh, Federal Trade Commission came up to me at a workshop thing and said, they will put you in federal prison if you do it the way you're going to do it. Well, but you but to, had this existed at the time, it seems like I could have done this and they could have went and, you know, fucked off elsewhere, like, goodbye. Well, right. there's a lot of people getting in trouble for exactly that, and, and especially, like, selling unlicensed, unregistered securities and stuff like that. So you, you, you have to be careful. They will come after you. This wouldn't have been a security. This was a uh, 
I could have actually done it totally legally as long as I didn't want to give anything back to the people that were buying in. Like if I would have just sold lots, that would have been fine. But because All I right. wanted to, if the entity itself was profitable, return profit to the owners, that made it not kosher. But you could do something like this where the NFT automatically does that, but you're not, you're not promising that. Right. So now it's like it just it just happened. I don't know. You you, you can do it on, on a smart contract where yeah. people just are automatically issued dividends or something like that. Yep. Yeah, that's what I, I could have done it that way and it would have worked. And I wouldn't yeah. have went to Club Fed because I'm not going to fucking Club Fed. <laughs> yeah. No no need. The other cool thing about the NFT space, like like okay, so we talked about having it be uh, a title, right? Or or yeah. redeemable. Cause that, that's, it's kind of like stocks. Like stocks don't mean shit unless they're redeemable, right? Unless that there is a guaranteed buyback or, uh, I can come in and hand my gold piece of paper and say, I want my gold piece, right? Yeah. Uh, so otherwise it's just a piece of paper and it's just fancy that everybody's like, Hey, we're going to believe in this for a while and give value to it, but it has no real value. Um, kind of like what you were saying. It's like, I could just replicate that image and put it up on a, on a website and like what, what novelty is there other than it's this one of a kind thing, but it's not even, there's no, it's, it's a JPEG, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got a screenshot. Like, no, it's not one of a kind, but exactly. You're making me think about shit. Like, so we've talked about setting up like a tiny house community on my property or maybe getting rid of the guy behind us and taking over his and doing it. So I could then conceivably tokenize the tiny houses and if you buy a token in the tiny house, you have a 1% ownership in it. And then I can require payment in crypto. Correct. And then every stakeholder, every time the tiny house you have a 1% entity you know, interest in is rented would immediately receive or, you know, as immediately as the chain allowed their 1% of the rental fee or whatever we said 1% means. Currently, yeah. the, the only stuff that's on the market allows one recipient the creator of the NFT. Uh, but yes, you could program a whole new chain and do all of that. 100%. And I, I, I could even tokenize your token and then I could turn it into a timeshare. Into a derivative. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Um, or a reverse timeshare. Like everybody owns it for a period of time and receives the right. real income during that time. So a backwards timeshare. You can code right. all of that, but you have to create new, 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 a new chain and a new set of code for that chain. Yeah. One company that's doing some really interesting stuff with NFTs is, um, uh, if you go to doke.com, they have, uh, medical tokens, doc.com, like doc. Uh -huh. It's, 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 I it's, it's the that's what I no, thought. They, 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 pr <laughs> they pronounce it doke, like doke token. I think actually, I think oh, they might have doke. changed it now, but essentially you give them, um, access to your personal data it becomes tokenized and you give them access to your data and they reward you for that access they use your data in like health studies and stuff like that and you're rewarded with dope tokens that you can then exchange for things like telemedicine appointments with uh, medical specialists and things like that so we're disintermediating all of the, the the bullshit healthcare laws. In other words, Agoras are coming up with entrepreneurial solutions to the problems created by like Obamacare, which I think is a, a very cool use case. So we could create like a health share that was tokenized. Right? Yeah, they have it. They have it. I, I, well, that's basically what it is. Huh. Somebody's asking, can you tokenize Mars and then sell it to Musk? 
And I, I don't know that you could, but if you just wanted some quick money, you know, there are all these websites out there where you can name a star after somebody. And it's total shit because, like, NASA is not like, okay, we're going to call it that right now. Right. You can start tokenizing stars. There's like a kabillion of them, right? You would never run out of stars to, to tokenize. Here's and an we can have the Sally Mayweather star, right? You know, and the, the, the Xavier Hawk star. Somebody I'll sell somebody, them to you cheap, thousand bucks piece. <laughs> that's, oh, so back in the day, somebody did that with the Moon and Mars, and they yes. and Disney and all these companies. But like, it wasn't tokenized, right? It no, was, no, no. It was just like yeah. you, they, they filed with you the UN and did all this stuff on the Moon or some shit, right? Yeah. yeah. But what's really interesting is like Disney bought a shit ton of land. Um, a lot of company, a lot of big companies bought all of this stuff. Um, what's interesting though, in Minecraft, they're, they're selling lots in Minecraft as NFTs and you can get a property. And what they're doing is they're making a huge QR code of their lot. So Uh you like in Minecraft, you can look down on everything and you can see this big QR code, go to your computer, scan it, and it'll take you to go get your NFT. Very cool. Very cool stuff. There's like all like, like in Minecraft, I can basically tell Sal, "Fuck off, you can't come on my property." Yeah. <laughs> okay, but again, you know, God bless it, the people making money on this. I, I it's, yeah, I think that's stupid. But if you want to spend money and somebody wants to take it, God bless the guy taking your money. The, the market is just a mechanism for moving resources to the most productive yeah. people. And if you're if you're if you're dumb enough to spend your money on something like a pixel, yeah. then you deserve to be parted with fifty grand. By the way, <laughs> if you're buying land on the moon, you want the fucking sell. South Pole. That's what everybody's going to fight over. Just, and I'm not making that up. Like I'm dead serious. That's like what people, is that? that? Well, because the way that the craters are on the South Pole, there is water on the Moon, and so the way the craters are, you have light at all times on the rim of the crater, and you never have light in the bottom of the crater. And then you're protected in the bottom of the crater, so you can mine water to make hydrogen and oxygen. Mm. The, the only thing the Moon's good for is mining it. For hydrogen and oxygen. And Did you read Artemis? Helium 3s later. Um, because there's this little, it's weird, there's this little apex behind the moon that this fucker figured out like 250 years ago, this mathematician, where mm-hmm. you can keep it in orbit with no energy. So if you have the South Pole, you can mine hydrogen and oxygen, which is rocket fuel, and, and just pop back and forth. And then you don't have the gravity well of the Earth to move spacecraft to Mars. That's the only reason we give a shit about the moon. That's not NFT. Uh, but, but if you NFT the fucking South Pole, then you got something, right? <laughs> so what are some really interesting – we've talked about a couple like healthcare, uh, a community, autonomous car uh, fleet, like taxi fleet. What are some other interesting use cases that you can think of um, to NFT stuff besides titles? So I don't know how this exactly would work, but I've always thought there was an opportunity here if you, if you can do it without going to Club Fed. So there's this stupid-ass game called Empire Avenue that was designed for, like, bloggers and podcasters and social media people and shit. And some people take it really seriously. And I'm like a friggin' multi-billionaire there, even though I don't touch it. And basically your your entity sells stock that trades on this Empire Avenue freaking stock market and this thing started right about when crypto took off, like around 2013, 2014. And I've always thought if you, could, if you did this with crypto, like, cause then I could literally say, like, you can become a stakeholder in TSPC. Or we could say you can become a stakeholder in Unloose the Goose. And doing it without this seems like a really good chance 
of going yeah. to Club Fed, right? I was say, that's, that, that, that sounds like but, something the SEC would be really interested in. But doing it with this, and don't call it a virtual stock market, which is what, and they get away because it's a game, and the, the, the credits, whatever the hell they call it, I can't remember now, you can't do anything with them except, like, buy the shit that they sell you, which is like a digital freaking yacht or something. Yeah, like Warcraft dollars. That's exactly how it works, right? But if you did it with NFTs, I think you could attach that to actual cryptos in some way. I don't know how, but it would be cool if, like, all of us that have these large social media presences could leverage basically our social capital into financial capital. I don't know how, but that's what my brain is right now. Well, well, we're doing that with tokenization, but not with non-fungible tokens. It's more with yeah. fungible tokens. Like, like a good example is mines, right? So if something that, that gets posted on mines, you get paid for that, for the popularity of that content. Whereas on Facebook, Zuckerberg gets paid or on Twitter. When I post something, yeah. it gets a thousand likes. Jack is getting paid off of that advertising revenue. With mines, you get issued tokens, mines tokens on the native chain that they have. And, it's in proportion to how many views that that post got. So then you can use those tokens. You can either cash them out on an exchange for some BTC or Ethereum or BCH, or you could use them for like auxiliary purposes. And like mines, the what they let you do is they let you boost your content. So when I, you know, this episode of Unloose the Goose, I'll go on and I'll throw like a, you know, I'll get like five thousand views on it for like five tokens I'll purchase. So like that's a good example of how you know tokenization can help. Um, sort of fight back against big tech censorship and sort of protect free speech and stuff like that. How many agorists have been censored by some platform? I'm sure you guys have probably dealt with it over the last, you know, six months to a year. Tokenization stops that. Yeah. Yeah. I can going on. It's not really an NFT thing. I haven't taken the time to do it. I keep being told I, I should, I don't even know what it's called, but there's a thing where when people are listening to your podcast, cause we all podcast, they can stream Satoshis to you. And so, you know, the longer your podcast and the longer they listen, the more Satoshis you get. And it uses a lightning network. So you don't get like, cause like if you're send somebody, a oh, Satoshi, yeah. right. You get your ass hammered in fees. Like you can't do it, but if no. you're using lightning, you can. And it, it, it's like a real time, like when a person, instead of using, you know, iTunes, they use this thing and they listen to your podcast and they set up, Whenever I'm listening to Sal, send him one Satoshi every minute or whatever it is. And the longer they listen to you, the more Satoshis you get. It all happens. Once it's set up, it's all automatic. And, like, I guess that could be done with video. That could be done with anything eventually. Well, that's what I see what's happening. Like, you've got Steam and all of these other places, but you still have to have the the action of the viewer sending it. Yeah. In the future, it'll be like, it'll automatically read how many people are watching. It'll be a network built on a blockchain. It'll have its own native token and it'll be able to read the viewers, read the content on how, how long they're watching, how many streams you get and automatically pay you in yeah. the native token. And then it's a, it's a matter of making that worth something. The network doesn't, itself. doesn't, and Jack could probably know this, but doesn't, doesn't library work similar to that, Jack? It does, but it doesn't. So you the way library, library and Odyssey are the same thing for those yeah. the audience that maybe don't know. They're they're basically exactly the same thing. They run on the same blockchain. Library is the blockchain. Odyssey is the blockchain explorer or browser. Right. Well, uh, I would okay. say no. Library is the blockchain and a way to view the content, and Odyssey is a different GUI for that blockchain. It'd be the yeah, best way. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's an opti- It's an optimized version of library. 
But like, so I watched Xavier's video yesterday. I thought it was really good. So I sent him an LBC token, but I manually sent him one token for that one video. And now it's attached to that video. And if he wants to use it, he needs to unlock it from that particular video. Um, but what I can see, and I've talked to Jeremy Kaufman, and it is something they would like to do is create basically a voluntary subscription where like I say, I'm willing to spend a hundred library tokens a month, which would be what 14, 19 bucks, depending on where it is now, uh, because that's the amount I want to spend. And then there would be a backend algorithm that would say, this is who you watched and distribute it based on percentile. Yeah. It would be one way uh, that, that, that they've talked about doing it. Cause like on YouTube, they have the whole membership thing. It's five bucks a month. Well, how many people am I going to become members to on YouTube before I'm like, you know what? I, Netflix right. is only 10 bucks a month. Like, come on. Like, you know, I, I really like Corey's fish shit, but like not that much. But if I can say like, just take 10 bucks a month and split it up against everybody I watch, then that would be cool. I don't know how that fits in with NFTs, but. I can see like eventually NFTing the individual videos, right? Like, you know, I have the rights to this video because people, people do shit for bragging rights all the time, man. It's, it's, you know, it's very common. Yep. I could even like, I do membership sales to my, my members brigade and occasionally I do lifetime sales. Yeah. I could tokenize the lifetime membership, which would make it far more valuable in a way. Because it would be transferable. Because right now, it, I guess it's transferable. You could always give somebody your login shit, but well, logistically, it's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass, and it's also like it's not really yours because I have a list of all my lifetime members. Right. And you're not really a lifetime member unless you're a lifetime member. Um, but then the market's not there yet. You would have to have a way of verifying the coin, which is not there yet. You'd have to have your website and your membership be uh, totally crypto friendly to the point where like they would have like MetaMask where you attach your wallet to the browser. If you can sell a fucking pixel, I can sell my membership. I'm, that's, right, that's, yeah. That's, that's exactly. Yep. Once you had the token, yeah, it would be manual, but it'd be like, okay, you have the token. Okay, fine. I'll just change the name on the account. Yep. The, yep. the amount of entrepreneurial opportunities in the crypto space is just absurd right now. This it's is absolutely stupid. absurd. This is, you know what I feel like? I feel like it's 1994. Yeah. Looking at the fucking internet. That's what I feel like. Like I did. That's, that's right. That's when right. I'm like, when I was like in 94 and like, I was like just beginning to figure this out. The first directories were coming online, but it was like by like 96, 97 when search engines were starting. And I'm like, so I can learn this fucking algorithm and make these things my bitch. That's how I feel about NFTs listening to you two guys. That's why I put them, put all my works up. It's like I've got something in every bracket, every sector, every kind of art. And now, like, I'm taking on clients, people who want to NFT their entire uh, real estate portfolio or they want to NFT all of their artworks. Like, I've got the team. We can make it happen, you know? Um, you know, another another use case, and you know, is, is – you, you know, we talked briefly about securities and stuff like that, but Bob Greifeld, who was the former head of NASDAQ, who's got a great book, by the way, called, I think it's like Market Movers, which I really recommend. But one of the things he says is that in, he goes right now today, every stock and bond trading on Wall Street can be tokenized. But in five to 10 years, every stock and bond trading on Wall Street will yeah. be tokenized. Yeah. And for Bob Greifeld, the, the head of NASDAQ, to say that, that carries a lot of weight, in my opinion. And 
if you think about the effect, how this will disintermediate FINRA um, and the SEC, because right now FINRA is essentially just a cartel of brokers. And when people start to tokenize their business and trade those tokens on decentralized exchanges, all of a sudden FINRA becomes a thing of the past. It's almost like what Bitcoin does to the Fed, right? It disintermediates it entirely. And that is going to allow entrepreneurs to access capital like we've never seen before. And that is going to unleash a wave of innovation unlike anything that the world has ever experienced before. And no matter what these politicians do, they can't stop this. Except it will last for a period of time like the Wild West, where that will be the reality. However, I don't think FINRA or the SEC will actually turn that system on until they can track every motherfucking token and every person who's touching every token. They can already do that with Bitcoin, by the way. They can watch where every Bitcoin has ever been. Well, they're already they're already going down that road. Look at what Patrick Byrne from Overstock.com and me and Jack were on the uh, speaking with Corbett and and Tim Picchio. And Tim Picchio mentioned that, um, you know, he's got this exchange called T-Zero where he's he's trading. He's he's facilitating the, the, the exchange of these tokenized securities. But it's all heavily regulated. FINRA has their has their mitts all over it. So we're not there yet. Um, but everybody I've spoken to in the crypto space, from Roger Ver down to the developers, everybody is confident that the SEC is is on thin ice. The only person who is skeptical was Vin Armani, and um, I, I frankly I hope that he's wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I do as well. But Jack and I were talking about some of these uh, Ethereum killers before we actually before you got on and before we started recording. So it might be a good segue into that because yeah, uh, Jack, what did you find in the Cardano white paper? Yeah, so I was I was digging into that one because I've I've recently got really interested in Algorand, and as soon as you you go into Cardano, you find Algo, and as soon as you go into Algo, you find Cardano because they have a lot of similarities. Yeah, uh, they're both proof of stake. Uh, they're both similar to Ethereum and if they enable smart contracts are designed to be built on, et cetera, they're much faster, much more scalable, uh, much faster, much more scalable. But in the Cardano white paper, it was this thing like, if you don't know what you're looking for, you would have breezed past it. It's not there yet, but the blockchain was designed so that not only would the token tell you how much it was worth and when it was sent and where it went from and where it went to, but the why and the who. So that you could literally attach an identity to the token at the time of transfer. Not so that you would know that it was Sal Mayweather's transfer in of itself, but Sal's sending it to X. And if we don't know who's sending it and we don't know who's getting it, it doesn't happen. You could actually kill the transaction to make the transaction impossible so that it can't pass on the chain. And this is the exact way that the Fed would exert control over the crypto space. Exactly. Charles is a very smart cookie. Just to deny the transaction. Now, you still have DEX exchange, you still have privacy coins, you still have a million ways around this, but sooner or later, what makes a crypto have value for now is fungibility into a stable coin or directly into a fiat, euros, dollars, yen, rubles, whatever, right? So if you can close down the fungibility, right? Now, I, I still say there's there's still like a place for like privacy coins to fit in here because once I transfer it to Xavier, if Xavier wants fiat, 
then, okay, so what becomes the, like, the gateway is into fiat or into the mainstream, into their world. You have to say, I have this. And if there's tax consequences, you have to pay them. Right. And everybody seems to think this concept that if they can tax crypto, at least where it interfaces with the regular world, that it kills it. Well, that's fucking stupid. General Electric stock is taxed if you sell it at a gain. I don't see everybody like going, oh fuck, they can tax my GE stock now. I'm gonna, I'm right. gonna dump this shit, right? right? Um, yes, many of us were attracted to crypto, crypto early on because it was one way out of their tax system. But I, I, I kind of see this going the way of coins like, if you use it right, Zcash, coins like Monero, coins like Pirate Chain are going to become the bearer bonds of like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, where bearer bonds for people to know were issued by the Vatican. And like they were immediately convertible into cash anywhere in the world with no, just, you had it, you could turn it into cash. Um, anybody, and, and they were almost never converted into cash. Like people just took them because the fact that you knew you could convert it was all you needed to know. And until you converted it, it didn't exist. Right. And I think that's where your privacy coins are going to exist. They're going to exist on DeFi and, and DEX and they're going to be the bearer bonds so that the only thing that will ever happen is eventually Sal will be like, yeah, somebody paid me this shit. Yeah, and here it is. And, yeah, I made money. And now that I need to buy a car, and the only people buy a, I can buy a car from want Tether or the Goldman Sachs dollar coin or whatever, yeah, I'll pay the tax on the income for this one thing. Yeah. And until you have to go out, and that's how silver works today, right? Like I, I, I bartered with a guy recently, did some work for me, and I gave him some silver. He didn't pay fucking tax on that. Now, if he ever goes and sells it, he's going to pay tax on it, right? And I think that's that's kind of this world we're going to exist in. I also think that what's going to happen is the the government is going to come out with, like, this grand clemency offer and basically say, declare all your fucking crypto, <laughs> right? And we're not going to do shit. It, they might even do it where they, like, whatever happened in the past doesn't fucking matter, right? Like, going forward... If you want to use your crypto above the the, the waterline, right, you need to declare it in this window. And if you look <clears> at it, it's exactly what they did with offshore accounts a few years ago. And it, the reason I think they'll do it again, it worked. I, I hate it for the, because I don't like anything working out for the state. Worked out great for the state. Tons of fucking billionaires with offshore money were like, "Oh, really?" And they're like, "Okay, Bill. Bill's a dumb guy, right? Bill, you go first, Bill." So Bill <laughs> does it, and they're like. They didn't raise fuck. No, they like. Oh, really? Okay, Tony, you go. <laughs> and then, like, once a few people went, like, and like nothing happened, or like, oh fuck it, and it all it all showed up, and billions of dollars surfaced and came back into you know the mainstream world because there is a point like if, if you didn't if if people that had a certain amount of money didn't want to do this, there wouldn't be a thing called money laundering, right? Like, right. there is a point where like I need my money above the water line so that I can do certain things with it. If I want to buy a 3D printer from Sal for Bitcoin, no fucking problem. When I wanted to buy my Challenger and I went to Chrysler and I said, will you guys take Bitcoin? And they're like, no. I didn't even ask if they would take anything else, right? It wasn't it was like I got no to Bitcoin. I knew if I said Bitcoin cash, like yeah. it would have all been no. So I'm like, okay, well, fuck it. Then I have to sell it. And so I will pay tax on those transactions. I'll declare a basis, et cetera, because I would be fucking stupid not to. I don't want to, 
But since I had to actually funge that into cash, that is too, like, went, 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 went. So I think we're going to have to exist in this kind of bifurcated world. I don't, I don't, I don't know too much about Algorand, um, but I, I, I did hear you mention on Miyagi Mornings briefly, Jack, but I think, I think the real, um, we're talking about ETH killers. The real ETH killer is Vitalik Buterin, right? He rolled the chain back in 2016 when the, when the Dow got hacked and we all lost a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. but he still shouldn't have rolled the chain back because that, that's really what killed Ethereum. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as he did that, it lost all of its utility. That's why I get in trouble because I tell people that Ethereum Classic is the real Ether. Um, but now going back to like Cardano and some of these third generation blockchains. Don't know. Just I yeah. I, I just want to back up there. He rolled back the chain to prior to when the DAO happened, so yeah. that Ethereum Classic could no longer be considered the actual Ethereum, and everybody who had it and got affected by the DAO or didn't get affected by the DAO were fucked, right? Yeah. And it was yeah. the decision of one person. Yeah. Right, which right? is the whole which is the decentralization, right? Exactly. right? Exactly. Like that's that's why I wanted to roll back the roll back this conversation to that, so that people who are new to crypto understood just how dangerous crypto is, and how when everybody says decentralized, decentralized, it's the same thing with fucking Bitcoin too. You have sixty five percent of the market of miners owned by the Chinese. They're all Chinese mining companies. If they decided they wanted to fuck Bitcoin together collectively. Boom, like that, done. Well, that that was really the concern with Ethereum from the beginning is that it was so centralized around this sort of cult of personality with Vitalik and stuff like that. And, and it just, yeah, I mean, look, I lost a, a lot of money, a lot of money in that one. I sort of had all my chips in one basket on the Dow. I was really bullish, and I, I just got hammered. I learned my lesson. It was a costly lesson, but I learned yeah. it. Yep. And I I still wasn't in favor. I didn't want my money back. I'd rather take the loss and and – Help prevent the disintermediation of uh, the court system by enabling the, this this Ethereum smart contract ecosystem. But regardless, um, going back to Cardano, I really encourage everyone to watch Charles Hoskinson's whiteboard video for Cardano. Yeah. Uh, it's really impressive stuff, and the guy is probably one of, if not the most brilliant cryptographer out there today. Agreed. Cardano sort of takes like a different approach to this. Like they, they take a much more academic approach to blockchain stuff. So, but it's like pragmatic. Like, yeah. Why Jack found that in the white paper is because that enables him to go and replace the stock exchange and <laughs> NFT token all because they have to have those controls to allow that kind of a big system to exist. So he's very uh, we, smart. We, yeah. need, we need to understand as, as, as Zagoras, like we talk about the market, but one of the biggest customers of the market is the fucking government, right? Right. So that is a, that is a market response to the fact that one of my big customers is government or, you know, governmental organizations or even non G, you know, non-governmental organizations, NGOs yep. that are actually working with government. Um, and, I don't like it, but it doesn't mean it's not a good investment. I'm actually kind of throwing some money into to Algo right now, and and Cardano's like next on the list. Like I I stack altcoins, like and I don't just so people are listening to me. I don't do financial advice, but I don't take my Bitcoin and move it into alts anymore. I did it in the early early days. I hold my Bitcoin. I make crypto in various ways, and I take some portion of the new crypto I'm getting. And I put some portion into alts and I kind of the way some people stack silver, I'm done stacking silver. I've stacked enough. Now I'm stacking altcoins. And, um, 
what I love about Algo is the security mechanism. So one of the weaknesses in Cardano is that the more you have, the more likely you are to be chosen for a block. So since everything's public, if I'm a hacker and I want to fuck the blockchain, right, it's easy for me to target a selective group of people who are going to be voting on the next block. If you're in the Algo world, good fucking luck because it could be, it could literally be any group of tokens anywhere in, you know, Sal today could go, you know what? Fucking Spherico's usually right. Damn it. And buy one Algo and stake it and he could be selected to, to vote the next block, you know, five blocks from now. And so the security that I see there and then the dude, I can't think of his name now. It's some weird Eastern European name. But this dude's like won multiple awards for cryptography. He's a professor of cryptography at MIT. And they've, they've got like 130 million in cash from their token offering to, to develop with. And then their group of people behind this are huge. So when I look at it again, the only negative I have is, is the inflation rate. But you know, if you can make 6% on your crypto just by holding it and you don't have to do anything special, you don't have to set up a note or any shit like that. Like, yeah. Me, that's pretty impressive. Oh, by the way, there are a lot of wallets out there where you can do just that. Like yeah, Exodus, uh, Exodus yep. with, with Cardano, with Algo, with like five others. You can yep. just hold it. Non-custodial. And, uh, same, same. Yeah. Same with yeah. Nexo. Yeah. You hold your keys, you hold your passphrase, all that shit. Yep. And you can do that on Nexo, but it's not your custodial wallet. It's, it's a wallet and you just no, put fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have I mean, my you know, keys, the- it's not mine. I, sure. Yeah. No. And you can, um, use the, you can use the official Algo wallet and do it as well, but you have to do something and you're kind of in a, a raffle-like thing at that point. Where mm-hmm. like Exodus, what they're saying is since we have every, we have so many people, we're just going to distribute all the rewards across everybody. And they're paying about 6% right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. uh, another one that does this kind of stuff is ARC. ARC's built off LISC and it's a great, and they're, they're like another, a lot like Algo, like they have, they're awesome. Huge. Like the, the, the agreements they have, the partnerships they have, the, it is amazing. But when I discovered Algo, I really realized the weakness of ARC since it's a delegated proof of stake. And we know who like the 42 or 48 or whatever delegates are. Shit. Like it just seems like targeting. Like yeah. any, any good hacker with a good DDoS capability. Can you explain what, what, what the NSA could do? Oh yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? This is this is this is Candyland for them. Um, let me ask you, what is uh uh what is staking and um uh what is delegation? Can you define that for the folks? Sure. So staking basically is exactly what it sounds like. I'm taking this money that I have or this crypto that I have, and I'm staking it. I'm basically saying here it is. It's like and- putting it in a bank. Where you're like, interested. Not, not centralized. It's decentralized. It, yeah. It, but it depends, right? Because some staking requires you to actually lock the money. Yeah. For a period of time. Some staking requires you to lock it, but you can unlock it anytime. Sometimes there's a penalty. Sometimes there's not. And then some staking like ARCs, which is delegated, but we'll just keep to the staking right now or all goes. The money's immediately available to spend any time, but you're earning money against it as long as it's there, like a bank account, right? Right. But the stake basically is putting up, here's tender, and if I do something that's bad behavior on the blockchain, I lose my stake. So if I've got, you know, $75,000 worth of shit staked, and I pull some bullshit as a node, 
and that makes me five grand, and I lose seventy five grand to get five grand. That 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 math math doesn't even work for Goldman Sachs, right? right? So that's that's the the basic theory. Instead of doing a proof of work, we're doing a proof of we're staking for the right to vote on the next block. A delegation of proof of stake is well, how many people can do this, right? And how many people have the technology and the desire and are willing to set up everything they need to do to be a node on the network? And if you know, there's a lot of networks you can be a node on that people don't go through it. So basically, if, if X says, "Hey, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be a node, and I'm going to do a really great job," delegation is I'm going to take my stake and put it with him, and that's how Arc works, and it works through a democratic process where you vote your delegate, and there's I think it's either 46 or 48 delegates, and the top delegates at any one time become the delegates, and so if X starts pulling some bullshit, and you know I'm not getting my payouts or whatever, or he's behaving badly on the network, I just switch my vote to Sal. As soon as enough people do that, Sal becomes a delegate and you're gone. Yep. Right. And that key, and it's worked really well and it's fast. It's like eight second block times. Yeah. And if yeah. I send, if I send you arc, you're going to have it about eight to 12 seconds. There it is. Except you have that weakness of, since we know who those people are. Now the way arc works would be is if I did a DDoS attack on you, as soon as you got shut down and you're not functioning, the next delegate would pop up. But it's still this kind of relatively small target. What Algo is doing is called a pure proof of stake. Literally, if you're holding Algo, you're participating. And you can, if you're doing it with like an Exodus wallet or you're holding a Coinbase because you're dumb, um, it's sort of like a delegation, but it's not because because it isn't, I, it's it's complicated yeah. to explain, right? But it really isn't a, a, a true delegation because it's still your money. And like, if you just take Algo or Cardano or any of these proof of stake coins and you hold them in Exodus, if you hold enough to actually earn enough to show up quickly, you can literally open your wallet the next day and see there's more money there. But with Exodus, you have to claim it. So like it'll say you have so much and it costs a certain amount to claim it, right? There's a transaction fee. So it might be stupid to claim and it won't really add to your compounding until it's a couple of units. So you probably don't want to do it every day or anything, but it's, it's really interesting and it solves the whole, you know, Bitcoin uses more energy than Brazil or Argentina or whatever it is quandary, right? There's, it's a very low energy, very secure. Yeah. Fast. Like Oof, if I stinky. send you 10 algo, like literally it'll be there. I, what's, what caught me is, they're now the backbone for fucking Tether, right? They're actually running the backbone for Tether. And there was a video where these guys were on four continents and they started out in one continent and the one guy sent money to another guy and back around till it went back to the first guy. So they made five transactions in one minute and 50 seconds and it cost them five cents across four continents. And to me, that is, that's better that. than the Swiss bank account of the 1970s that you can't get anymore. Yeah. So the proof of stake model, for those who don't know, is basically you own it and you can prove that you have it and therefore you get to participate on the network yep. or uh, take part in the, in the, block, the blocks. Sort of like a contrast to uh, proof of work for anybody out there. Which now, like on the Bitcoin blockchain, what Jack was alluding to is taking up more energy across all the mining situations around the world than Argentina, which 
technically isn't super hard to do since they're a socialist country and suck anyway, but um, <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's significant, right? It's not uh, North Korea, right? If it was North Korea, everyone would be like, fuck, my, my, my hot tub uses more power than North Korea, right? right. <laughs> yeah, so the, there, there is the, the idea that proof of work is um, kind of, there's no reason for it anymore um, other than for people to build mining operations that take up more energy than everything. But, uh, th- there was some kind of, um, some kind of promulgation that was done looking at what it's going to take to mine the last Bitcoin. And it's good. Yeah. To mine the last Bitcoin, it would take some ridiculous amount of energy, like more energy than the world civilization has ever produced to actually mine the last Bitcoin. So the, there's like the deflationary aspect of Bitcoin in that regard, but there's only ever so much. And literally everything in the world, the price of everything in the world is going down relative to the price of Bitcoin. If you think in Bitcoin at this point, property values are going down, the dollar's going down, oil, ev- like everything, the value of everything is going down relative to the price of Bitcoin. Not necessarily that the price of Bitcoin is going up, is that the price of fiat is going down, right? As, as the bank continues to inflate and devalue the currency, everybody holding non-inflationary assets is gaining wealth, just as, you know, the Agoras have been saying for the last, you know, however long, 10, 20 years now. So here's an interesting question then. If I was going to come out with my own token or do anything with a blockchain going forward from this point forward, I would look to building on something like Lisk or Algo or Cardano or something like that. It's faster, it's cheaper, it's easier, it's incredibly secure if you do it right. I would never come out with a new coin based on like a fork off of Bitcoin. No way. However, I still see Bitcoin for another decade and more is the 10,000-pound gorilla. I don't think it can be pushed off the cliff. I think it has too much first mover advantage, too much proof. But does this spell doom not for Bitcoin, but for other proof of work? Let me, let me ask you a question though. Let me ask you a question. There's two, two questions that actually you just brought up for me. Number one, what if it was determined that the CCP created Bitcoin? What if you could prove it on the side of a doubt? Who cares? And that, that they owned all of this, the Satoshi's wallet. Who cares? As long as we can still use it, care. what are they going to do? Well, actually, Jack like, just like had a... The government made the internet, and I don't give a fuck, because look what we can do with it, right? Okay. Um, it's just because I saw this this dipshit billionaire guy who's like a real jerk. I can't remember his yeah. name. He's, and he's like, I know who made Bitcoin, and if you knew who was, you'd get rid of every single one of them. You know? And I'm like... <laughs> Come on. He's fucking you know? pissed because he didn't buy any. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, too. And, and, but um, he's like pissed about because it. he could have bought all the fucking Bitcoin there was in 2012, and he didn't. That fuck yeah. So, so I think anybody who, who thinks that way acts. Actually, again, Jack has a great video he just put out um, like about crypto objections. Check it out because he goes over all that. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit on one thing he said. I don't think BTC is – because of this to- this coming Tocambrian explosion, yeah, I, think I like that. The that chains- Tocambrian explosion. The, the, I love that. That's fucking awesome, Sal. But the chains that like are positioning themselves to take advantage of this, they're going to be the chains that because all of the, this this increased transaction volume vis-a-vis tokenization is going to increase the, the the value of the chain, right? It's going to take up mining space. So 
the, the chains that take advantage of this are going to be worth more. Now, BTC doesn't do that, right? You can't tokenize. If you wanted to tokenize on BTC, you have to pay Samson now to do it, right? I think it's like, what do you call it? Like liquid or something like that. You have to pay or, or like, I forget what it's called. Now, BCH, you can do that on, though. On Bitcoin Cash, we have the simple ledger protocol where anybody can make a token, one, two, three, no problem. And I'm I'm convinced that vis-a-vis the demand from the transaction, the the exchange demand, coupled with the demand coming from tokenization, all that's going to, I think, in the end, push BCH over the edge where we already see there's more transactions in Bitcoin Cash now than BTC. Wait until tokenization, some of the stuff that we're talking about, hits. That's really going to drive up the, the, the value of the chain, I think. Yes. See, you're back to this argument that, well, BCH is better for money. Right. And right. I agree. And so right. is every fucking cryptocurrency ever made. Bitcoin sucks as money. Right? Yeah. Litecoin is better money. Like yeah. Dogecoin is better money, right? But then, like, of those coins, which ones have the best, best tokenization ecosystem? Hold on. Cause let's, let's, let me finish where I was going with that. So name a metal that's more fucking useful than gold. And I'll oh, give you an answer. Fucking all of them. Yeah. Right? Fucking gold is fucking worthless in reality. It's fucking useless. Silver is a thousand times more useful to humanity than gold. And fucking lead is more useful than silver. Right. There is a mental attachment to gold. Yep. Right? And it won't go away. Like gold is going to be worth money when all of us are dead, gold is still going to be worth money. And I think that when people say Bitcoin is digital gold and people think it's a literal comparison, I think they're missing it. Like, and, and there are maximalists, right? That that's, they literally mean it that way. I think most of us that are more informed, what we're saying is it's got first mover advantage. It's proven. Nobody gives a fuck about the fees. Because nobody's buying a scone and a coffee with it. Nobody ever will. Right, right. Nobody ever buys a scone and a coffee with gold. And I think from a standpoint of digital scarcity, like, I don't don't see a day in the next five years where when you log into your brokerage account, there's a board for BCH to buy other fucking coins. Like, it's going to be freaking Ether and fucking Bitcoin and Tether. That's what it's going to be. But when they buy that BTC and they buy that Ethereum and they have to yeah. move it off the exchange, they're yeah. going to do it in, they're going to do it in Bitcoin cash, right? That's what everyone's doing oh, now. That's, yeah, maybe. That, that's why there's more transactions occurring today in Bitcoin cash than there is on, on Bitcoin BTC. And we see look at the gas fees on, on, on Ethereum are through the oh, roof. gas fees are uh, stupid. It's yeah. not to mention that, not coin. to mention that they pissed off CZ. So now Binance is charging you like an arm and a leg to move yeah. like one Ether. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and that's exactly why Ether is going the way of Bitcoin in the same, like there are so many new, uh, ecosystems that are moving so much faster, more efficiently with more better data, all of that. And Vitalik, um, I mean, spent forty bucks in fees, yeah, to dump ba- some basic attention tokens because they have to pay ether fees on the back end of it. Like, yep, yep. it sucks. I still think ether is going to be worth ten grand someday. Yeah, which is also right? brings up a good point on the NFT thing. Most of the NFTs are made on the Ethereum or Wax chains, right? So you're paying EOS or ether. Some are on EOS too, which is actually a much better. Uh, operational right there but um you bring up a really good point with the ether it's like it's slow it's expensive everybody's complaining about it but and and minting nfts right now is super expensive because of that um 
So it, it's like all of these new coins are going to outperform just like Jack's charger outperforms the model fucking T, you know, like, but there are people who are going to use the model T as the model T's still worth more fucking money than my challenger. Right. It, like exactly that, that that's it. And like, and, but if you look at the gold and silver markets, like what is it? Rhodium. It's like $23,000 an ounce. It's like way outperforms gold, but like nobody, yeah, yeah. you know, so what, 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 what is going to happen though? When Ether 2.0 is successful, if it is, what, what does that do? Like, cause I'm, I, I've got plenty of Ether and, and I haven't staked it because it locks it. And yeah. I don't like, cause it, I, I'm going to be honest. Like if Ether's 10 grand tomorrow morning, you're out. I'm dumping my, I'm dumping a significant amount of my ETH, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to cash that in and I don't want to not be able to do that. The other side of it though, is I look at it like, and it's also like it's an unknown, right? So for people that don't know listening, Ether right now is going through this transformation and it's supposed to turn into a proof of stake coin, which I find it, it, it I find Crazy. it is fucking retarded that it takes two years to do this as I do how long it takes the United States to go back to the fucking moon, right? Like we went to the moon in 1960 fucking nine. We need like 20 fucking years to get back there in 2020. This is bullshit. Like, just get it done. But that's what Ether's doing. And they're asking people to stake their Ether before it is proof of stake in for returns that continue to dwindle, right? Like originally it was going to be like 8% and it was like 6 and it's like a race to the bottom. And people are doing, I think you need 32 ETH to do this. But when it's done, there's supposed to be this brand new Ether. Let's just ignore all the stupidity and say, well, if they do it. And at the end of this, if it's cheap and fast to send Ether, then what? And I don't pretend to have an answer to that, but I kind of feel like it means this. Like I, I, I feel like in the in the long run, all these problems are very bearish for yeah. Ethereum. I think medium term, I, th- I think you're right. I think that you know, but a lot of this value on these these chains that that really can't scale, it's all based on speculation and not not utility. Yeah. You know, like originally the value of gold and silver was based on utility. Sure, it was always wanted for for decorative or, or ornamental purposes, but it had yeah. some utility. There really isn't any utility anymore. At least with Ethereum, you can make the case that you know ERC twenty tokens or smart contracts. You don't even have that with BTC at this point. So, yeah. I don't know. Humans so, are stupid. I'm, I'm back to Sal, just because you're pretty switched on to this. If I think we're like. Three months into this now, so let's say in 21 months, Ether 2.0 comes out. Woohoo! It's a success, and Ethereum can scale, and Ethereum is fast, and Ethereum is cheap. What does that mean if that happens? Big fucking if. I know biggest two-letter word in English language. I mean, look, look, I'm 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 all for it. I want it to happen. I'm I'm with you. I I I think it's great. Um, Where would you price it? Is what I'm asking, right? To be direct, like. I mean, if it looked, if it really worked out, I mean, if if it was actually scaled and it worked out, if the the, the 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 you know they're really there's really almost no limit. I could 10K, see is 10k crazy? No, not at all. Okay. I could all I could right. see it going a lot. I could see it going 100k if it actually worked out. Okay. But you know, it's it, it's again, it's it's difficult because you know, Vitalik's had so many ideas with scaling, and it's just you know the same with the BTC community. How many of them have worked out? And it's just—it's always like, oh, it's just a few more months. We're right around the corner from these big changes, and then they—they they never come. And I mean, I just—I keep looking at this, and everybody told me this stuff, 
like five years ago and said, get rid of your ETH and get rid of your Bitcoin and go to these better platforms. And I'm like, so fucking <laughs> glad I didn't fucking listen to that. That's all I can say. Like 100%. The smartest thing I did was go, no, these are the two behemoths and I'm going to hold, you know, 80% of what I hold in these two, a mix of these two. And I don't see a reason to change it. If you want to make the argument that there's better and faster, more secure, more utility, I completely agree. But I, I, I want money. Well, here's like, what happens. Want, right? I want money and I like so money. If you're trading on a regular See. basis and Bitcoin goes sideways, yeah, all of the other alts pump. Because That's true. everybody wants to get out. And, and, That's why I have 20% alts, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they want to make money. But then when Bitcoin goes down, alts pump a little bit and then go down. They fucking die. Right, they right. They die. Yeah, because everybody's going <laughs> to Tether or USDT, USDC. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when Bitcoin's, like, again, when Bitcoin's not moving, that's when the alts really start pumping. If Bitcoin yeah. goes up, it brings the rest of the alts up. Well, what happens is, like, so the institutional money's going in mostly to Bitcoin right now. Yep. It's starting to go into Ether. It re- There are some institutional investors starting to go into Ether. But what happens is eventually the... It used to be the whales and now it's the institutional money because they have it. And then the retail investors come in and the retail investor looks at it in a totally fucked up way. Well, it's a dollar. How much lower it can go? Well, all the way to fucking zero, just so you know, right? Yeah. Like, that's how they look at it. And they start looking for like everybody says it, the next Bitcoin and they start pumping money, like ignorant money starts getting pumped into these. 20 cent, 5 cent, right? You know, and they're not necessarily pumping dumps, but they become it de facto, right? Like, so people start looking to these alts. Well, then there's also like the educated ignorant, like that actually say, well, okay, I do want to, I do want something I can buy a thousand of instead of one, right? And they start actually researching and the good projects, then they start to attract money and they really go. They, I mean, they, we've seen it in 2017. Everybody did this, but then the good projects were like up here. Yeah. The problem was you had to know when to go. Yeah. And I came out with a video. If you look it up, it was, uh, it was right at the end of 2017. I'm like, get the fuck out, man. It's going to be a fucking bloodbath. It's coming there. And I got. The monkey show, showed up and they hurled shit at me, man. I could feel it hitting the backside of the screen. Like, it's going to moon. You're stupid. And I'm like, when everything's up the same from shit to good, this is bad. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if we're there. Like the only thing holding me in a hundred percent right now is the institutional money. Like this has never happened before. This really has, like, we have not in the crypto space experienced people coming in that were never in crypto buying a half a billion yeah. or a billion or a billion and a half dollars worth of crypto in one shot. That's, that's never been in this space before. I think, like, I, I think we have to sort of take a step back and we have to ask ourselves, why are we here? Like, what, what is the point of being involved in the crypto space? And to me, it's the only reason I'm interested in cryptocurrency is because I, I despise the government and I want to sort of limit them to the best of my ability. And I think that cryptocurrency is probably the best tool we have to do that. So to me, the value doesn't really come from like, I don't care if the price of, you know, Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash or Ethereum is $1 or if it's $1 million. 
my utilities that I'll never use fiat slave currency again. I'm not paying for Nancy Pelosi's yacht. I'm not paying for Joe Biden's bombs to murder children in Yemen. So that's the utility. Right. But that like, that's like, that's the utility. That's the point. So like, if I can't use it, right, if I have to pay these huge gas fees or I have to pay transaction fees coming out the ass, it's absolutely useless to me. And I might as well go back to using fiat currency for all, for all I'm concerned. So we can use BTC. We can use Ethereum. We might get rich by doing it. That's wonderful. But that does nothing for counter-economics or for agorism. The only thing that's useful is peer-to-peer cash. And that's exactly, if you go back and you read the white paper, it's exactly what Satoshi Nakamoto said. The first words, the title of it is an electronic peer-to-peer cash system. So if you, and that's, by the way, how did Ross Ulbricht use Bitcoin, right? Everybody pays homage in in the Bitcoin community to Ross Ulbricht. He used it not as like a, 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 store value or a speculative asset or something like that. He used it to facilitate commerce, right? And nowadays that's not really possible with, with well, a lot of the chains that were. Really, or did he enable other people to do that? Right. Stack the fuck out of it for himself in fees, right? Because what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. And if I'm going to buy something from somebody, I'm probably going to use Bitcoin Cash or Litecoin. Those are probably the two that I you know, keep some around with, but my money goes into different buckets. And some of that money is, this is money that I'm going to spend in the next year. And yeah, these other currencies you're talking about are fine for that. And then there's money that like, I'm going to, this is money I'm, I'm investing or saving. And in my crypto space, I absolutely care 100 fucking percent about how much that's going to be worth in two years, three years, five years. I really do. And I won't make an ideological decision that's going to cost me 200, 300 grand. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make my fucking money. And if I have to pay a huge fee at the end of it, either to the government or in a gas fee, or I don't give a shit what it is. If at the end of the day, I'm closer to buying the island of fuck off a stand. Yeah. And I, I, I want to, I want to, I want a vacation with you on the island of Jackistan. I really do. I, I dream of it. But like, I guess part of the, part of my argument here is that the chain that's used as a medium of exchange yeah. will necessarily become the chain that functions as a store of value, a unit of account, a payment medium, a facilitator of that. credit. That's, an, I mean, that, that's, if you go back and you read Mises and Menger and Rothbard, this is the point that they make. The primary so for 2000 years, what is the most consistent store of value that we have? Gold. Okay. And it is fucking useless as fucking currency. Not true. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's fucking useless. It's, it's only, it's only, it's, it's only not accepted useless. in exchange today because the state prohibits it. But if they, if they, if the state, state doesn't wasn't, prohibit it, I can buy shit from you with gold, but I won't do it. Right, of course, because I mean, well, think about it. If you want to buy like um, my cell phone or something like that right now, it's very difficult to facilitate online exchange with gold, right? Yeah. You can't really do that. Not to mention though the that the the peer to peer transaction costs on gold are zero. Right. So like if we're face to face and we do an exchange with gold or silver, there's no transaction fee on that exchange. Right. But the reason why gold was was ever it was ever able to become a store of value was because it was used as a medium of exchange. In other words, people thought to themselves, hey, I better store up some of this gold because, you know what, when I want to buy eggs from Jack next week, I know he takes gold. So I better have some ready for me. So it's it's the fact that it's used as a medium of exchange that it's used as a store of value. Does that make any sense? 
was just it because does, everybody believed. But it also evolved. Is it increased in value? It evolved beyond it, right? No the doubt. Gold doesn't work worth yes. a fuck for money today. Is because let's say I want to buy a printer from you for two hundred fifty bucks. I'll take how gold. How much gold is that, right? And how do I break off? Like that much gold, like it's too expensive. It's not that it can't be done. It's too expensive to do. What does that sound like? It sounds like right. Bitcoin, right? But it still has this intrinsic. It's not even. I hate the word intrinsic. Right? Intrinsic is fucking stupid because intrinsic value to me means it has value into Period. itself. Yeah, and it does not. It it's does just not. Like everybody buys into it as a means of exchange or as a means of value. We collectively agree that it has value because we're fucking. Ma- we have a mass delusion because if I yeah. said, "Hey but- X, guess what's going to happen?" Um, there's going to be some fucking dudes in black fucking jumpsuits. They're going to come to your fucking house. They're going to grab your fucking ass and they're going to take you and 20 other people. And they're going to drop you off on the Island of fuck off The problem is it's not really the Island of fuck off yet. It has no infrastructure whatsoever. You can either have 10 pounds of fucking gold, or you can have a shipping container full of long-term storable food, fire making construction equipment, all that shit. Now the stuff in the shipping container is worth 10% the value of the gold. Which one are you going to take? Exactly. You're going to take the context. shipping container because it yeah. has intrinsic value. It actually has intrinsic value. The gold is fucking worthless on that island, right? That's right. Until you because develop- there's no one there. But once, one, but if there if there was people there and you could use it to as a medium of exchange, then all of a sudden you would rather the gold because it's a much more saleable or marketable. Commodity. So where does the real value come from? It doesn't exchange. come from the gold. The gold it becomes the a ledger. The gold it, becomes a ledger of accounting in the medium exactly. of exchange, right? It becomes, so, it's wanted for the utility. It's like right. the same thing as stocks. They have no actual value other than what people are willing to pay for. It's like baseball cards or fucking garbage pail kids. Whatever somebody's <laughs> willing to pay for it, that's, it's literally that. People like to say, oh, the KPIs of the organization, the companies, you know, give yeah. you an idea of what the stock is worth. It's like, no, it's what everybody's willing to pay for it. And that's all yeah. that it ever has been. And so with that, this has been a discussion on NFTs and fucking tokenization, the tokenization evolution, the token, the tokenbrian, uh, what was Tocambrian it? Tokenbrian explosion. The tokenbrian explosion. Tokenbrian explosion. That is the freaking, like, that is the gold of this episode. That, that is it. You, you should name your next uh, podcast, both of you guys, that. The we'll have to title this one. You, I know you explosion. sell shirts. Yeah. Dude, you need a fucking shirt, right? That is the like the Cambrian explosion. Coming in with like a beat, beat. You need like the Bitcoin Cash so yes. that thing, right? <laughs> and the meteor coming in and it says the Cambrian explosion. <laughs> I would buy that, and I would buy it with Bitcoin Cash just to make you happy, Sal. And, and, and just just to just to just you know, I know you guys want to wrap up, but like to, just to go to that analogy real quick, the, the Cambrian explosion was when you had this sort of explosion of life into like a million like different life forms and it really just blossomed into like all these different organisms. That's what's coming with tokenization. That's right. And we three were there for the birth of the Tocambrian explosion. That's gotta be a shirt, dude. That has to be a shirt. (laughs) Okay. So this is an episode of unloose the goose with your wildly charming host, Xavier Hawk. And you can find me at, at Xavier Hawk online or Phiron.com, P-H-I-R-E-O-N. We've got Jack Spierko with TheSurvivalPodcast.com. And you can find him on all the different social media sites with that. And at his website, obviously, at the social, uh, at the, at the survivalpodcast.com. And we have Sal Mayweather, Sal at Sal the Agorist on all the various platforms and 3D printer go burr with three R's.com. 
Yes. And also agorathreads.com. Check that one out. We just opened yesterday. We're selling t-shirts and hoodies and all, all sorts of stuff for crypto. Let's do it. It's the Tocambrian. The to- yes. Exactly. Yes. Badass. So thanks for all of the great questions for all of the 40 some people who are in the live chat with us on, uh, YouTube. There was some really cool discussion there. I didn't see very many more, uh, all caps questions, but, um, thanks again. And anything you guys want to say at the last very statement? Like and subscribe. Make sure you hit that notifications button so that next time we go live, you get it, you get notified. There you go. That's a good one. And, and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps the show. And I yeah. think what we're going to do is going henceforth, it'll be always at 4.30 Central Time, 5.30 Eastern Standard every Wednesday. We're not going to do the back and forth between the two the two hours. Yeah, apparently many, most of the geese are on the roost by 7.30. That's it. James Corbett won't be happy. Sorry, James. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. This has been episode 31 of Unloose the Goose, the Tocambrian Explosion. See ya. Unloose the Goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got